United Way Community Connections. United Way Community Connections broadcasts every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. right here on WSMN. In United Way Community Connections, you will be introduced to leaders from all of the great nonprofits in Greater Nashua, from caring for our children to our seniors, from helping our homeless pets to our at-risk vets, from learning the skills to get your GED, to dealing with trauma and substance abuse. Community Connections is the place to learn with Mike Affelberg about what's going on. Learn how you can help and make a difference from the experts. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show, which is making a difference in Greater Nashua. Here's your host, Mike Affelberg. Well, good Monday morning, and welcome to the United Way Community Connections show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg, and today is Monday, October 5th, 2020. Yeah, I did say October. Um... Last time we did this show, it was still September. So that felt like maybe, maybe there's still a chance for winter not to be on its way. But now there's really no chance. It's October, and we all know what that means. So the leaves have changed colors. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I had a fabulous weekend. My wife and I went hiking up in the White Mountains. Um, we uh, Yesterday, we actually... We're able to summit two 4,000-footers in one day, which was great, um, without killing ourselves because we're old and old people shouldn't do things that are totally crazy like that. But we did anyway. Um, had about a 3,000-foot ascent. It was about a seven-mile hike. It was great. So it was such a beautiful day. So I will say this. So I'm hoping this is not a prelude to the very final United Way Community Connection show with Mike, with Mike Affelberg because yesterday's hike was a prelude to my wife's and my crazy backpacking trip. We're actually going to go backpacking next weekend. going to do an overnighter um, also up in the White Mountains. And um, I haven't done that since I was, you know, in my early 20s. Um, and, and I was a boy scout. We did a lot of, of course, hiking and backpacking back then. But one thing I will tell you is that 22 year old knees are different than 55 year old knees. Um, I learned that, um, and not to mention, you know, backs and necks and shoulders, you know, what do they say? Heads and shoulders, knees and toes, the whole thing. It's, um, it's uh, very different. So, um, but if I don't survive, just like before I jumped out of the plane, I said, you know, if I don't survive, I have, it's been a pleasure and an honor talking with each of you. <laughs> uh, but we are looking forward to it. All, all joking aside, it should be a great time. And the weather's looking really nice. It was beautiful up there. I have to say the foliage is magnificent. And uh, on our way back, we drove through Crawford Notch State Park, um, which is just spectacular. It's stunning. When we first moved here, you know, I grew up in California, and we have in California, well, I guess we have three seasons now because one of them is fire. When I was growing up, the seasons were rainy and dry, um, or you could have called it green and brown. And so all the hills were brown, you know, 11 months a year, and then it rained for a week or two, and they turned green, and then they got brown right again. So I was not really used to this kind of color. And in the first couple of years living here, I have to say, I would actually get tired, like literally get tired driving home from work, looking at all the fall foliage because it's just so overwhelming. Um, and uh, it's just proving that once again this year, nature, nature definitely puts on a show for us. So this coming weekend, going hiking in the whites, wish me well. Um, 
We have a great show for you today. I've got my good friend, Dr. Cynthia Whitaker, in the studio. She's going to be on joining us about 20 after the hour, talking about what's going on in the world of mental health these days, which is a lot. As you can imagine, coronavirus um, has just compiled um, all of the other you know, concerns and issues that, that, that we've had previously. And um, of course, isolation and loneliness and all sorts of stuff that, that, we, need, that we want to talk about. So we'll have Dr. Whitaker on. Um, and then after that, we have a brand, new, um, a brand new guest taking us to the top of the hour, Rebecca Jeffries from Sprouting Healthy Families. And you're going to learn more about their program, brand new um, guest to our show, which is fantastic. Stuff going on this week. we got a lot going on over at United Way. We have a um, Day of Caring event on Wednesday. And this is our, our second day of caring event. Our first one was a couple months ago. We did a, a very, very physically distanced food packaging event down at the Adult Learning Center, and that worked out super well. Um, and this Wednesday, we're doing our fourth annual Community Farming Day of Caring. We're actually going to build a little community farm slash garden over um, on Toll Street. Now, that's in preparation for next year. Of course, it's too late to plant anything this year. Um, but um, the uh, we're going to be putting in garden beds and, and dirt and mulch and all that good stuff and getting it ready so that we can hit the ground running next year. And uh, this program has put in place a number of community gardens, and what that does is it gives people a couple of things. One, it gives them access to healthy food, which is um, otherwise unaffordable, um, you know, vegetables and stuff. If you, if you, you know, if you're low income, those are, those are hard to come by commodities. So, um, it gives people access to food that is healthy. Um, you know, not just junk food and high fructose corn syrup, if you will, but it also gives people um, a healthy outlet and the ability to, you know, connect with community and connect with uh, Mother Earth. So it's a good, it's a good thing. And we really appreciate that. That's a partnership that we have with Grow Nashua, um, one of our fiscal agencies that spearheads these programs, and we're uh, super proud of that. So that's going to be this Wednesday. Um, rain date is Thursday, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a washout, so we'll probably do it on Wednesday. We're also collecting items down at the uh, uh, Pheasant Lane Mall by Target and also up at the Merrimack Premium Outlets for our upcoming community baby shower. Um, we're looking for um, all sorts of different items for babies. You know, if, if, it's a, if it's a thing for a baby, it's probably something we're going to want. So everything from diapers and bottles to, you know, little teeny tiny socks and onesies and breast pumps and all the things that a new mom and a new baby might need. Um, our community baby shower is going to be toward the end of this month, and it's going to be a little bit different of an affair. Um, it's going to be more of a drive-by, drive-through kind of an affair because of, of course, coronavirus. But um, we're still really excited to be serving the community in that way. And um, what else have we got going on? We are gearing up for the Santa Fund. The uh, That was in the Nashua Telegraph this weekend. The Santa Fund, of course, supports families and children during the holidays. Um, this is probably going to be a pretty tough year for a lot of people. And, um, you know, we want people to have access to, um, you know, some, some resources so they can give their you know, kids maybe a nice little gift during the holidays. Um, sometimes people say, well, that's not really essential. And, you know, I would argue it is because, um, you know, our, our, our mental health, our psychological health, you know, our well-being, our happiness are, you know, these are um, factors which 
can affect your health just like anything else can. But also parents, you know, will go a long ways to help their kids. And sometimes they do things which are just not smart financially because they want to they want their kids to be happy. And so if somebody's going to make the decision between rent and light and food, you know, and, um, you know, short-term needs versus long-term needs, we'd rather that they have access. So we support the front door agency, Milford's Share Agency, and the Salvation Army with our our over 50-year-earth um, Telegraph Nashua um, United Way Santa Fund. So if you can support that, we'd, we'd love that. We would appreciate that. What else is going on? Learn United, our big program that we've been launching to help kids in the in the Nashua area with their COVID learning needs. Um, you know, we are we've been handing out wireless hotspots like crazy. We're up to 150 of those. My last count, we've been able to connect over 350 kids to the internet who otherwise weren't connected to the internet for distance learning. And uh, we, we know a bunch of those kids actually didn't have internet all the way back in March. So if you think about that, that's like going to school without going to school. You know, it just doesn't exist. So we're, we're working hard to connect kids to the internet. We've also opened up our school supply pantry at United Way, which is open to teachers from the region who need to get school supplies, including technology. Um, we have some laptops, but we also have backpacks and crayons and markers and, you know, sidewalk chalk and all the things that, that, that teachers might need to support their kids. So if you're a teacher and you have a family need, please contact us at United Way. Easiest way is just our info email, info at unitedwaynashua.org. And lastly, we're working on launching our volunteer tutoring program in partnership with all of the community's youth serving agencies like the Boys and Girls Club and the Adult Learning Center and the Y. Um, to to help support not just their existing efforts, but also expand on those efforts and um, help reduce what we would call the COVID learning loss, where, where kids really um, need to connect back to academics and, and teachers are stretched so thin that they can't necessarily meet all of those needs. So yeah, we got a couple of things going on and um, and we're pretty excited. And I'll and also say, Today's kind of going to be a milestone for us. We have these pop-up food pantries that we've been doing since March. That's a partnership with the uh, Soup Kitchen and Shelter and the Boys and Girls Club and the YMCA. Um, each person, along with United Way, plays a role in that. Those are United Way volunteers who distribute the food. And uh, today, we will eclipse the 6,000th person helped in our community through that through that initiative. So that 6,000 people and families who have had additional access to, to fresh produce um, and also frozen meals for the weekend. And, and for a long time, we also were helping out with N68 hours of hunger bags and all sorts of things um, to help uh, fight food insecurity during these very uh, difficult times for people. So that's pretty exciting. And we are getting very close to distributing our 100,000th face mask in the community. And I'm not sure, I think I should make some sort of a celebration, like give that 100,000th face mask. Who? Do, maybe we should do a competition, like a contest. Who do you think we should give that mask to? I say we give it to either George Russell or Mayor Donches. But I will be, I'm open to suggestions. Anybody who thinks that they have a good candidate for that 100,000th face mask when we distribute that in a, in a week or two, I will, I'm open to suggestions. Um, all joking aside, we're pretty proud of that accomplishment as well. And uh, I got to say, I'm also really excited. Boy, there's just so much going on. Um, 
we were able to connect through the emergency services department to they located a stash. I'm going to call it a secret stash of, of, of hand sanitizer up in the lakes region where FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Association, had contributed like barrels, 55 gallon barrel drums of hand sanitizer to camps, summer camps that didn't open. And as a result of that, we came across this, this 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 opportunity to go up and rescue some of that hand sanitizer. So I've got a great volunteer, Joe, um, who has taken one trip up to the lakes region with um, like 11 of those five-gallon Home Depot buckets and rescued one 55-gallon drum. And tomorrow he's going up to rescue the second 55-gallon drum of hand sanitizer. I don't know. Am I crazy? Am I hoarding hand sanitizer? Am I, what is it? But I just think, you know, these are things that our community needs. So what the heck, let's go get it and bring it on back. And I don't know, that brings me to my break. So that seems like a good place to, to take a note, uh, a, a moment of a break. So we're going to be back after the break with my good friend, Cynthia Whitaker, Dr. Whitaker from the Greater Center for Greater National Mental Health. And we're going to talk a little bit about mental health in our community during these unusual times. And after that, we're going to take another break, and then we'll have our, our final, final guest of the day. You are listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. I need to like click on the button here to figure out how to make the break actually happen. And so we'll talk with you in a couple minutes on the other side. Kathy Cavallaro needed emergency surgery. First thing that I'm thinking about when I'm at the emergency room is, am I going to be okay? Not, is my doctor participating in my health plan? Turns out the surgeons were out of network. I received a bill for an extra $5,000. Surprise medical bills. One in six visits to New Hampshire emergency rooms results in a surprise medical bill. The hospital may be in network, but the doctor isn't. We don't have an extra $5,000. We went to Jean Shaheen, and she got the bill reduced. She's fighting against these surprise medical bills and the Wall Street companies that are behind a lot of them. And Jean Shaheen is fighting to stop the Republicans who would gut health care protections for more than half a million Granite Staters with pre-existing conditions. And she's taking on the big drug companies to lower the cost of prescription drugs. They put profits first. Jean Shaheen puts people first. She gets it. I'm Jean Shaheen, candidate for Senate, and I approve this message. Paid for by Shaheen for Senate. I need to get some new shirts for my business. Just call Sal. Does he do screen printing also? Just call Sal. Does he embroider shirts too? Just call Sal. I also need business cards and brochures. Just call Sal. How about yard and lawn signs? Just call Sal. And promotional products to give my customers? Just call Sal. Who is Sal? I'm Sal. My wife Jennifer and I are the proud owners of Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. If you need embroidered or screen printed shirts, business cards, brochures, lawn signs, promotional products, and even personal protective equipment for your business or organization, just call me or stop by our showroom, conveniently located at 410 South River Road in Bedford, right off the Everett Turnpike. You can also visit our website at fullypromotedsnh.com. That's fullypromotedsnh.com. We are your one-stop shop for all your promotional needs. Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. Our business is to help you grow your business. Just call Sal. 
Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years' experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at edgestoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Bardis Law has been representing injured people for 20 years. Whether it's car accidents, motorcycle accidents, pedestrian injuries, dog bites, slips and falls, Bob Bardis is an experienced attorney who solves problems. Bardis Law, a statewide personal injury law firm. Their number is 603-880-1300 or BardisLaw.com. Inspired by our German artisan roots, Seuss Caramel has redefined the art of caramel making. Slow crafted, all natural, and preservative free with uncompromising standards. Cooked gently in small batches to create velvety textures and layers of flavor like no other caramel you've ever experienced. It is our sincere hope that you enjoy each Seuss Caramel as much as we enjoy making it for you. I'm Tammy Fahey, and I never tire of hearing how much people enjoy my caramels. Please visit SeussCaramel.com to place your order and to see a listing of stores that carry our amazing caramels. Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashua has been your trusted partner to fight for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. When a low-income child needs access to dental care, or parents need quality after-school programs where their kids can learn and be safe, United Way is there. When a person with disabilities needs a supportive day program where they can thrive or a family loses its home and needs a place to regain financial stability, United Way is there. When a homebound senior needs food and supportive social connections, or when it comes time to die with dignity, United Way is there. The programs supported by your United Way are the heart and soul of Greater Nashua. When you volunteer or donate to United Way, you lift up the community where you live and you work. As a highly regarded nonprofit with Charity Navigator and GuideStar, you can be sure that your donations will be used for the work of making Greater Nashua stronger, smarter, and safer. Learn more and connect with us at unitedwaynashua.org. NASCAR. Well, good Monday morning. You are listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We're here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. talking with nonprofits and community leaders about what's going on in the world from their perspective and how they're working to make the world a better place for all of us who live and work here in Greater Nashua. I am super excited to be joined in the studio today by my good friend, Dr. Cynthia Whitaker. And uh, Cynthia is the... uh, CEO over at Greater Nashua Mental Health, um, our community's mental health center. And during the break, she told me that they're actually celebrating this year their 100th anniversary in our community. So, Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. 100 years. 100 years. You hardly look that old. I, I am not quite that old, no. <laughs> but <laughs> what Greater Nashua Mental well, Health is. What are you eating? That's like got to be a lot of soybeans and se- chia seeds or uh, something. Or no. the yoga. It could be the yoga. Oh, the yoga. That must be it. I, I must try this secret remedy. Uh, but 100 years, that's quite an accomplishment. Congratulations to, to you over Greater Nashua Mental Health. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're really celebrating this month. Um, 
you know, we don't know exactly what month it was formed back in 1920. Yeah. Um, but we chose October to celebrate throughout the entire month because it's World Mental Health Day on Saturday. Oh, this coming Saturday. This coming I did not Saturday. know that. Yeah. And that um, NAMI, New Hampshire, yep. tends to have their annual walk around this time of year. Yeah. And so they, they chose Saturday for their walk as well. And we have a team that will be supporting that effort as well. So, yeah, 100 years. That's, Unbelievable. That's fantastic. I'm sure it wasn't called Greater Nashua Mental Health 100 years ago. No, it actually started as Community Welfare Council. Community Welfare Council. So I know it became Community Council yeah. at one point. Yeah, and just a few years after it, when, yeah. it, when it became incorporated, it was Community Council of Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, which, if any of my staff are listening, that's the answer to this week's trivia question. I think, I think <laughs> Donna actually is. She sent me a text message. So Donna, no, no spreading that around and and uh, no cheating. Yeah. So it it started Community Welfare Council kind of in response to community needs. Yeah. Which is, I think, kind of our legacy, right? Um, so at that time in the twenties, um, the this group of uh, folks that came together. Um, they chaperone, chaperoned dance halls, monitored streetcars for sanitation and language. They taught English to some non-English speaking residents of Nashua, um, implemented community cleanup campaigns, and were actually part of the formation of the public library here in town. Wow, lots of different stuff. Lots of different stuff. And, and then quickly, kind of over, just in a few years after that, um, started doing things like fresh air camps, bringing folks, kids up from Massachusetts yeah. to experience rural Nashua. Yeah. Go figure. Um, and, and then had Places a Places mental... like Kessler Farm, <laughs> yeah. which actually was a farm. Which actually was a farm, exactly. Yeah. And then they started kind of moving into the, the world of kind of health with a polio clinic and a blind clinic and a mental hygiene clinic. And, you know, in the yeah. 60s, um, President Kennedy passed um, a law really to move folks out of institutional settings and called the Community Mental Health Act and had people, uh, organizations kind of stand up at that time to become community mental health centers. And we were already primed to do it with the 40 years of community service. And then so as of the 60s, we became a community mental health center and never really looked back from there. That's fantastic. That's interesting. There are a lot of parallels to our local United Way um, yeah. uh, history there as well. We were, we're not quite as old. We were. I, I do know our birthday. Our birthday was a week ago um, and uh, in, back in September of 1929. Oh, wow. And, yeah. um, w- w- but I'm sure that we've m- crossed paths many, many, many times over the years and certainly work a lot together these days. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume great. so that there was probably a lot of work together back, yeah. back in the early days. Absolutely. And so... Um, so today's world is different, right? We, yeah. We're living in a very strange place these days. I keep, I keep I keep joking to my to my wife that I'm waiting for someday when I'm a grandfather, which I hope isn't like too far in the distant future um, for my daughter, who probably <laughs> is listening to the show right now. Yeah, so come on, man. Um, but um, you know, someday I I can just picture this question coming from a grand like Grampy. What was it like during the pandemic? I know, right? You know, like we're living through times that are, are you know, scary, um, hard, but also super interesting. And yeah. I think, I think you know, we're learning new behaviors and new ways of interacting 
Um, we're relying on skills that we have had to develop very quickly mm-hmm. and some older ones uh, without hopefully throwing out the bath ba- with the, you know, what do they say? The baby, baby with, with the bath, bath water, water, right? Yeah. But these are interesting times. And so in the world of mental health, how, what are some of the ways in which you see the current environment as maybe similar but different than it otherwise would be? What's changing in the landscape Oh, so much is changing. Yeah. Um, I think some is our how we're delivering services. So certainly there was a, a surge of telehealth happening even prior to the pandemic, but the pandemic certainly solidified it um, in a way that, you know, certainly many more people now see telehealth as a viable way for folks to access services, which I think is an important for us going forward with folks that have trouble accessing transportation or who don't have other social supports to support them, you know, that we can hopefully help people access uh, treatment. So that concerns me a little bit. I got to be honest. Uh-huh. I think I think telehealth and mental health are, are a little incompatible. <laughs> well, you know, it has its place. Right. It has its place. So it's cert- just it's, it's just there's something to, to the human. Oh, there well, is definitely something you know. to the human, and especially when trauma right. is involved. You know, we know that there's a lot of neurological yeah. things happening, like even between your neurobiology right now and my neurobiology yeah. right now, just being, you know, in the same room. Right. Um, and so certainly for some treatments, uh, you're right, it would be contraindicated. But for things like right. checking in with your psychiatrist, yeah, you know, every three months to say, how are things going and to get your medication refilled. And often those are the, the folks, uh, okay. those are the appointments that get missed. Or somebody that's um, having weekly therapy after a period of time of creating a connection, that's more kind of checking in. So we're assuming that a small portion of our services even going forward will stay that stay this way. But you, you mean you're absolutely right that there are some treatments for which, you know, we would prefer to be face to face. But yeah, over but, telehealth is better yeah. than no treatment. Well, that's absolutely true. I gotta I gotta say I can't argue with that. I just. Uh, you know, I hope that we, I'm seeing a lot of workplaces and, and yours is, I'm sure, like everybody else, I'm seeing a lot of workplaces transitioning to a world of, of like a, like a remote yeah. environment. And, but then at the same time, we hear about, um, you know, rising depression, mm-hmm. rising anxiety, rising suicide, suicide. Yeah. across the country. Mm-hmm. And I have to wonder how much of that has to do with the remote nature of our lives. And I'm going to say, I know personally people who are working from home who, I mean, granted, there are some people that just would love that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's a great, and that maybe fits their personality, style, their profile. But there, but most of us are social human beings yeah. and we need interaction with other people. And I hope that there's not too much remote work mm-hmm. in our futures. I think it's more about connection too, right? Yeah. And so... Um, I think we have to think about somebody's whole picture, their whole life. And so if work is a small aspect for somebody and they're able to be remote for work, but they've got great family connections or a good faith community connection or, you know, other civil organizations or a good volunteer position at, say, United Way, for example. Oh, we have that. (laughs) Right? Yeah, that's true. There might be other ways for people to connect. What would be, I think, is the hard for people if they don't have those connections and then their work is also isolating by being alone. So it really is about figuring out how to create connection right now. And and I'd say that's true for kids all the way to adults and, and older adults. You know, as it well. occurs to me um, 
my perspective might also just be a little bit too American. Mm. You know, we mm-hmm. have we tend to derive a lot of our satisfaction from our work. Yeah. And we tend to be motivated by our work, much more so than is actually probably healthy. Yeah. You know, and Americans and probably Japanese people as well are, are about the, you know, the craziest people when it comes to, you know, we measure our self-worth by, well, I did 60 hours this week. How about you? Well, you only did 59, <laughs> you know? Wow, slacker. Right. Um, but no, we, but mm-hmm. honestly, we really do get a lot of that from the workplace, which means our people in the workplace become our surrogate families. Right. And one of the things kind of near and dear to my heart right now because of some of the things happening in my own personal life is kind of the importance of connection with families. You know, I think uh, America has certainly lost its intergenerational family connections. Oh, that's you know, for sure. And how how kind of has COVID-19 helped us maybe understand how important, you know, that might be again, right? Like that right. You know, we maybe shouldn't put our, our elders away in institutions and how do we keep them connected to our families? And, you know, I think that it, it impacts not only that generation but the generations that get to interact and, and live together so my my mother-in-law's moving in with us and so my my daughter has a very special connection yeah. um, with all of her grandparents but yeah. you know especially so and i think that experience on her life um helps her not feel isolated even when she's stuck at home you know doing art camp from home or right. things like that because she knows she's got folks right right there in her corner all the time yeah, so just an audience reminder, you're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg, and we're talking today with Dr. Cynthia Whitaker from Greater Nashua Mental Health. Um, I think what you said is absolutely true. My wife and I talk about this actually quite frequently because our growing up experiences were so different as it relates to our, our grandparents. Mm. You know, I grew up in America. My grandparents, you know, we moved when I was little. My parents and my sister and I, we moved to California, and my grandparents were some combination of in Florida and New York. And so my relationship with them was very much, you know, a week or two a year and, you know, occasional phone calls. And of course that's before FaceTime and all that stuff. But Kirsten grew up in Germany where the family unit really is much closer still. Um, She didn't grow up in with her, she didn't live with her grandparents, but she spent, Every weekend there, and they yep, they you know they helped raise her in a very significant way. So her connections to that generation are very different than my connections are, and I think I'm a little jealous of that. Truth be told, because I feel like there's so much that I didn't know and so much that I didn't get mm-hmm. from my mm-hmm. grandparents that I, I could have otherwise. Yeah, there's there's a lot a lot of research about just how healthy it is for kids to be exposed yeah. to older adults, whether they're true true blood family members or not. And I think that might be some of the negative impact we're seeing on kids right now. Right. Like if they're not creating connections with adult teachers because they're at home rather than in, you know, in the school or they don't have other outlets to connect with coaches and, and yeah. things like that, that we're, you know, we're seeing a lot more kids that are feeling depressed and so I think and this suicidal. Must be a hard, yeah, this must be a particularly hard time for kids. And I was going to want to ask you about that, yeah. you know, because... I'm hearing more and more reports from people. I mean, it comes a lot of times in the guise of my kids need help with tutoring with school, but when you dig down a little bit deeper, what they really are lacking in their lives is the social connectedness that a school environment can provide. Mm -hmm. 
um, and teachers, frankly, as well. Mm-hmm. You know? oh, I mean, we know that for kids, even kids that have really traumatic backgrounds or that don't have the best upbringing, that one of the biggest factors for resilience for kids can be a really good, strong, positive adult connection. And so, you know, with this kind of time of COVID, is, is that sort of why we're seeing some of these negative impacts on kids because they're not able to connect to adults in the same way? And so how, how do we help as a community make sure that our kids are still staying connected and still staying involved and know that there are adults um, in the world that love and care and, and can treat them with kindness. Are there any kind of academic studies going on on this subject? There must be. I mean, it's too new to have like a, any kind of real longitudinal data, but... It, it is too new to know yeah. sort of what's exactly going on, but there's there's definitely a lot that's kind of in the works and, right. you know, the National Institute of Mental Health um, is is doing some studies and some work right now. We I expect, you know, in the coming months we'll see kind of journals dedicated to the impact of covid uh, um, you know, all, all across the sure. lifespan. Sure, but especially, I would say, at both ends of the lifespan is where it's most acute, right? Yeah, most acute for sure. Well, interest, interesting. So maybe the whole experience of maybe the whole model of adverse childhood experiences is going to also be the definitions will maybe be expanded to yeah. include some of the isolation or disconnectedness that comes from 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 a situation like this. Yeah, I, and I, I mean, I think it's always been a factor, just not always something we've looked at because we know it's a positive factor. Right. You know, it's, I think about like social. Det- determinants of health right and and what might what might be saying four or five years from now that we've learned about what really does determine our health you know is it is it connection with other people maybe more important than than we think it is maybe it's not that i have a working job but it's that i have connections to people and maybe that's just sort of how we defined it that's right. That's where it took place, but that that's not. That's just a circumstance of where it took place. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Interesting, interesting stuff, Doctor Whitaker. Yeah. I, I have to say. So your celebration this whole month. Yes, we're celebrating this whole month. Besides which... trivia questions, what else have you got going on? <laughs> uh, you know, we we really wish we could have a big public big party. event. I wish we could, but you I'm know, sure. we can't. Uh, and so we're doing a lot of internal celebrations. Um, we had we started off the month um, with a training from a local trauma expert about how providers can take care of themselves to be able to better able to take care of others during times of crisis. So we did that last week to sort of kick us off to let the staff have um, that event. Um, we're all reading a book right now called An Impossible Life and have okay. a, um, a time set up for the author to come and talk to us. And it's a, it's a book about her journey uh, through her own mental health. And she co-wrote it with her mother. Uh, and so it comes with both perspectives. We've got some trivia questions. We've got some Greater Nashville Mental Health swag, some pictures, contests, trivia contests. And uh, toward the end of the month, we're going to be kind of bringing everybody together and kind of having a nice community conversation, kind of celebrating all the good things we've done in our past and hoping right. to bring the best of those forward kind of into our future and, you know, kind of keeping that legacy of, Responding to the community's needs, whether it's That's chaperoning right. dances or, right. you know, responding to the mental health needs in our community. Well, one thing we know is that um, those needs are going to evolve, but, sure but still exist for sure. 
So um, congratulations on your on your hundredth anniversary. Thank Most you. importantly, I'm looking forward to what the next hundred years brings. Yeah, me too. It's just uh, another hundred years of of service, you know, alongside our partners. Right. You know, and right. so while while you might help with some tangible needs, you know, how do we walk alongside? Right. You know, with those those other kind of internal needs and help people realize that they have they have within them the the strength and the answers and the hope to to keep going. Well, thank you, Cynthia. You're very welcome, sir. Um, we're out of time. I know it goes so fast. But I want to thank you for coming on today, talking a little bit about mental health, um, the Greater National Mental Health Center, and uh, you know the strange and turbulent times we find ourselves in, and how that all can play out. Um, what's the best way for people to learn more about your organization and connect? Is that would be that online for initially? it is definitely. It's our our website um, has a lot of information uh, about us. That so gmh.org. Yep. Okay. Um, so. As well as in our our phone number is there, and that's the best way to kind of find out all okay. about our services that we offer. That sounds great. And if you forgot any of that, call two one one or call Mike over at United Way, and we'll get you connected to Dr. Whitaker and the Greater National Mental Health Center. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Very good. So we're going to take our our next break. Our show is brought to you by our two generous sponsors, Edstone Properties and Embroid Me. We're so excited to have them as sponsors, and we really do appreciate that partnership. After the show, we will have our next guest on, and my phone is ringing, so I'm not even going to, like, we'll have our next guest on. As I mentioned earlier, a brand new guest on our show, which is pretty exciting, and um, you're listening to the United Way Community Connections show. I am your host, Mike Appleberg. I need to get some new shirts for my business. Just call Sal. Does he do screen printing also? Just call Sal. Does he embroider shirts too? Just call Sal. I also need business cards and brochures. Just call Sal. How about yard and lawn signs? Just call Sal. And promotional products to give my customers? Just call Sal. Who is Sal? I'm Sal. My wife Jennifer and I are the proud owners of Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. If you need embroidered or screen printed shirts, business cards, brochures, lawn signs, promotional products, and even personal protective equipment for your business or organization, just call me or stop by our showroom, conveniently located at 410 South River Road in Bedford, right off the Everett Turnpike. You can also visit our website at fullypromotedsnh.com. That's fullypromotedsnh.com. We are your one-stop shop for all your promotional needs. Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. Our business is to help you grow your business. Just call Sal. This is Bob Bartis, and as many of you know, in addition to owning the station and broadcasting NASCAR and music shows, I'm also an attorney. I handle injury cases throughout the state. While the courts were closed during the COVID quarantine, I utilized that time to write a book on how personal injury cases are handled. I answered frequently asked questions and discussed common pitfalls that can be avoided to maximize your financial recovery. Listeners of WSMN can download a free copy of my book by going to BartisLaw.com. That's B-A-R-T-I-S-L-A-W.com. That's BartisLaw.com for a free copy of my book. Hi, I'm Tony Joyce from Joyce Cooling and Heating. The sun is getting higher and the days are getting longer, which means it's time to start thinking about central air conditioning for your home. While the heat may be great when lounging poolside, the last thing you want is sweltering temperatures inside your home. Whether you have air conditioning now that needs service or would like to add it, Joyce Cooling and Heating can help with a new ducted, ductless, or microduct system. And remember, that's Joyce Cooling and Heating, 882-4244, or on the web at JoyceCool.com. Kathy Cavallaro needed emergency surgery. First thing that I'm thinking about when I'm at the emergency room is, am I going to be okay? Not, is my doctor participating in my health plan? 
Turns out the surgeons were out of network. I received a bill for an extra $5,000. Surprise medical bills. One in six visits to New Hampshire emergency rooms results in a surprise medical bill. The hospital may be in network, but the doctor isn't. We don't have an extra $5,000. We went to Jean Shaheen, and she got the bill reduced. She's fighting against these surprise medical bills and the Wall Street companies that are behind a lot of them. And Jean Shaheen is fighting to stop the Republicans who would gut health care protections for more than half a million Granite Staters with pre-existing conditions. And she's taking on the big drug companies to lower the cost of prescription drugs. They put profits first. Jean Shaheen puts people first. She gets it. I'm Jean Shaheen, candidate for Senate, and I approve this message. Paid for by Shaheen for Senate. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years' experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at edgestoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashville. Well, good Monday morning. It is Monday, October 5th, 2020. You are listening to the United Way Community Connection Show on WSMN 1590 AM and 95.3 FM. I should also mention we're live on Facebook. We're on my personal Facebook page, which is pretty easy to find because there aren't that many Mike Affelbergs in the Western Hemisphere or actually on Facebook in the world. Like me, that's it. So if you go to my personal Facebook page, you can actually see the live stream. And that's the place to enter questions. I see my friend Ian just said that he appreciated the conversation that we, we just had with Dr. Whitaker. And it's good to see you this morning, Ian. And I'll probably see you in a couple of hours um, at Rotary meetings. So anyway, we are joined today with a brand new guest who's never been here in the show, which is fantastic. And that's Rebecca Jeffries. Rebecca actually owns a business called Sprouting Healthy Families. And she is a coach who works with children who, and their parents, I believe, who are on the autism spectrum. So, Rebecca, welcome to our show. Thank you, Mike. I'm delighted to be here. We're excited to have you here. So now tell us a little bit about what do you do? All right. So I'm a coach. I actually am focusing on the parents and how they are handling their life as a parent of a, of a child on the spectrum. Um, I'm coming from my own life experience. I have a 21-year-old who was diagnosed just last year, but we've been facing all of the symptoms since he was quite young. So it's been a very frustrating process for, for our family. And uh, um, I thought it would be helpful if I could share some of our experiences to maybe alleviate problems for other families. Um, and I've been receiving a lot of encouragement from other parents and people, uh, services that we've used for my son, they said that uh, this could be extremely helpful for, for folks to take care of their uh, emotional mastery, basically, when it comes to parenting a child on the spectrum. It's got its own set of challenges. And I just found you online. So you're at SproutingHealthyFamilies.com. Yes. Which is easy to remember because it includes the entirety of your business yes. name as well, <laughs> which I love that. I'm, I'm, I am also exceptionally un- um, creative when it comes to naming URLs like <laughs> call it what it is yeah right? so um so you have a child who is um high functioning on the autism high functioning, spectrum? yes okay 
And um, so you've had personal experiences, yes. and, and so which makes you extremely relatable when it comes to talking with parents who are facing the same type of thing. Right. Um, so what's some of the what's some of the advice? What's some of the some of the uh, coaching that you would that you would give a parent? Yeah. So I think the biggest challenge I faced, and I have also found the solution to be the most valuable, is striving for self actualization. When you can get your own emotions out of the way, you can focus better on your child's needs. Uh, you can really start to evaluate what their problem is and diagnose it better and come to it from an angle of compassion and love instead of frustration and resentment, which is a really easy place to go to. I suspect some of that has to do with just expectations, right? Absolutely. The expectations have to change completely. Um, I was having a conversation with another parent recently where I was you know, raised to go through high school, go through college, get a career, possibly raise a child, you know, the normal uh, path that a lot of people are presented with. But it became apparent fairly early when I became a mom that I had to change my expectations for my son. He's, he's very scholarly in the subjects he loves, but being in a college setting is not, is not a good place for him. So we have to come up with different solutions. And be right. flexible. Yeah. Right, right. Well, I don't suspect anybody who um, goes into parenting expects their child to have autism. Correct. Be on the spectrum, and um, but when it happens, of course, you have to you have to learn to to do things differently and have different yes. behaviors, perhaps. And um, so, I guess, what are some of the things that have had that you personally have had to to to, to do? Yeah. So we've. There's a lot of trial and error when you're parenting an autism child. They're all so different. Oh, well, yeah, of course. One size does not fit all. So um, our biggest changes for him probably was our methods for schooling him. We started with public school education. That was kind of a disaster. Um, really weren't getting the services we needed, and I was not prepared to be an advocate for him. I, and that's really where I want to help the parents is for them to – to come in strong and understand where they can really be the most helpful for their child in the school environment. It's, it's really a system you kind of have to learn how to walk through. It, it doesn't reveal itself. So um, from public school, we went to a Waldorf school, which was fabulous. And then eventually we homeschooled him for a few years, and then he went back to public school, and then he ended up in a therapeutic high school. So it's been kind of a bumpy road, but the therapeutic high school yeah. really ended up being a great match for him. It just took a while to figure it all out. Yeah, I have not heard of a therapeutic high school before. Where is that? What is that? So it's a school that, that uh, caters to students with special needs. Yeah. So his school was the Franklin Perkins School in Lancaster, Mass. Okay. So they have numerous programs for uh, children on the spectrum. All of the teachers have been playing are basically special ed teachers. They also have therapists on staff that the students meet with regularly. They have medical staff. Um, numerous kids there are actually boarding students. So they're living within an environment where they can be themselves and still learn their life skills. Um, the life skills thing was something I really, really loved about the Perkins School because the public schools don't offer this anymore. So he was getting exposure to how to wash dishes, how to pay bills, how to balance your checking account, uh, how to set up a doctor's appointment, all those little things that have gone by the wayside in most, most of the school curriculums that I think we're starting to realize was a mistake to eliminate that. 
we're raising a lot of smart kids who can't manage themselves. <laughs> well, that's absolutely, that is absolutely true. We've raised a lot of smart adults that can't manage themselves yes. either, I have to say. <laughs> um, so how long have you been doing this, Rebecca? I'm just opening my doors. Just opening your doors? Just Fantastic. opening my doors. So you're yeah. looking for referrals? Yes. Outstanding. So if somebody is listening to this show, how would they know that your services are for them? Um, I do a free half-hour consultation with them. Okay. So we can talk about what their needs are and make sure that we're a good fit for each other. Okay. And um, so the person and, – and are you – do you anticipate – of course, if you're just starting out, you don't necessarily know. But are you anticipating working with parents who – are brand new parents and just learning that there's a diagnosis or maybe they're a little bit into it and they, they aren't quite figuring it out or maybe they're years down the road and they're like, I need to tune up my skills yeah, a little bit here. Yeah, I think the tune-ups are probably my best department. That's kind yeah. of, I just walked through that path right now. That's the freshest yeah. with me. Um, when my son was younger, I still uh, was pretty clueless. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that's all how we start out when you, you don't know what's going on. Um but certainly, yeah, I'd be able to dig deep and, and help wherever I can. And if I don't feel like I have the resources, I have a number of people that I'm connected with that I could refer them to. Okay. That sounds great. And I think the advocacy piece is super important. Um, I'll say I'll share. My, my uh, wife uh, worked for a number of years in autism support services as an ABA consultant. Yes. And um, that was probably one of the biggest things for her, too, is not just working directly with the child, or young person um, in an ABA capacity, but working also with the parents yes. to, to understand, like, your voice matters. Let's let's use it effectively, right? Right. And, uh, you know, reflecting back on a few times when I went to IEP meetings and I was basically a mess. I was not a useful advocate for my son because I was too emotionally involved. I was too close to the issue. So I had to hire someone to help me out because I, I just really wasn't helpful in that scenario and it can be really tricky those IEP meetings you can feel a little bit personally attacked unprepared you don't even know half the time who's going to be in the meeting with you and it can be pretty scary I can imagine that's quite intimidating actually do you um feel that I mean I imagine that schools are rapidly evolving yes in this in this area as they learn also how to and they probably also take it personally because they they want I believe that every person in a school wants to help the kids in the school I agree and it's probably frustrating for them too because sometimes maybe they don't know what the best thing is to do right but they don't want to admit that they don't know that or that they don't have the resources that they <laughs> yes. need so they might be feeling defensive too so it seems like it's a really toxic yeah, conversation yeah. right that's a great word you for know? it and the other difficulty is that as the parents we're not trained how the system works well, um how does the system work? It's probably yeah. different all over the place. Is, right. there, is there actually a system? I mean, that's really the question. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that there actually really is. Yeah. You know, at least not a single system. Right, right. There's definitely not a single system. And I've had times when special ed teachers have slipped me a little note that said, you can ask for A, B, and C. Otherwise, I would have not known at all Yeah. what, what my rights were yeah. for my child. So Interesting. Yes. So interesting. Um. And possibly the other people in the room don't know that they could offer that either. Yeah. You know, that, that could be as well. So it, it seems like it's a challenging situation. Maybe everybody needs a coach. <laughs> yeah. Teachers, administrators, parents. Right. <laughs> uh, I love this perspective, though. I, um, 
I love the idea. Now, if if you also help fit to, to connect families to resources if they don't know yes, absolutely. what to do. Yep, I could and try and send them in the right direction, um, especially as their child is is starting to age out of the system. It gets you know you have to learn a new system all over again. How do we reach developmental services? How do we right? Adult services are different. Yeah, than, totally than, different aspect of their of their life. You have to approach and. There's a different set of deadlines. There's different people to contact. So I could definitely help them with that. Yeah. Now, Crotchet Mountain shut down recently. I think that oh, was kind of... Oh, that's a terrible a, loss. Yeah. I can imagine that that's also probably affected some families yes. that, that you know of. And um, yeah, so the adult... Now, there. what are some of the models for adult children, adult children young adults that, that are more effective these days? Um, you know, it, it's... We're still all just trying to figure this out, I think. Yeah. As you know, specialists are trying to figure it out. We're figuring it out. Um, one model that I really like, and there's a couple of these down on Cape Cod, is the um, – how do they put this? It's, a, it's independent living but with a staff on board. So they can have their own apartment, and yet they have staff available to them at all times. Is that so, like a group home type yeah, setting? Yeah, it's kind of a group home setting. Um, the residents are encouraged to get jobs – um, there might even be cooperative work on campus. Uh, so they're taught how to be more independent, how to be self, how to have more self-care, but with that support system behind them. Um, there's also assistance with housing costs. For instance, if you wanted to uh, encourage your child to live in an apartment, but you know their income is going to be too low to afford it, you can apply for funding. Um, but that can be a two- to three-year wait, so you have to start some of these things really early. I like that model, though. Um, I mean, I like the independent living. I think, I think, I think, if that works for a person, that that's really yes. great because it gives you such a boost of self confidence. Right. You know, I, I can imagine. Yeah. You know, of course, none of us knows what it's really like. I also see on your website you have a lot of different resources. I think it's important for people. Anybody who's, who this conversation resonates with should just go to SproutingHealthyFamilies.com. SproutingHealthyFamilies.com. And you, you click on the link for autism resources. There's a, there's a lot there. You have a blog as well. And you talk a little bit about your coaching services. Yes. So that's great stuff. Um, just opening your doors in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. Such a great business <laughs> concept, right? My wife and I opened our business about two months, three months before the, the stock market crash for the Great Recession. So oh, I, wow. I can kind of relate a little bit. I'm a little scary, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. A little scary, but I think it's such important work. Yeah, it, and really, it really seems that way. Yes. Yeah. So there's lots of challenges, especially with the, the young adults are home. and uh, Absolutely getting there getting remote learning it's all changed it's all different we have to reapproach change our approach the music in the background means our show is over that's Aww. the that's the hook they give me when, yes. it, you know, when we got it. so you've been listening to i'm just going to do the outro so we've been listening to rebecca jeffries and her business which is a new business is called sprouting healthy families and she works in um, a coaching environment one-on-one -on -one with parents who are um, dealing with the situation that their child has autism, is on the autism spectrum. So if, if you're interested in learning more, you can check her out on the web or you can call her at 978-761-1691 and uh, learn more. So we won't be back next week. Next week is Columbus Day and I'm going to be hiking in the White Mountains. Um, as I said in my intro, if I don't return, it's been nice knowing you all. 
Uh, but I do plan on returning the week after for a couple of more great interviews on the United Way Community Connections show. Until then, I encourage everybody, please remember to be kind to one another because great things really do happen when we live united. 95.3 FM Nashua. Listen, watch, and stream at WSMN.live. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. That determination has not been made yet. Obviously, he continued to improve overnight. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows updating us on President Trump's condition. The president spending his third night at Walter Reed Military Hospital. Meadows continues. His health continues to improve. The doctors will actually uh, uh, have an evaluation.